Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz saxophonist Wayne Escoffrey. He's back at it again with another gem, 2018 CD Vortex. So he was born in London, and at six, his mother emigrated to the United States and settled in New Haven, Connecticut. When he was young, he attended the Jazzmobile in New York City, and during his senior year of high school, he attended the Artists Collective Incorporated. That was in Hartford, Connecticut. That led him to work with the best in the business, most notably Tom Harrell and his quintet and the Mingus Big Band. He is also a founding member of a collaborative group called Black Art Jazz Collective. He's got plenty to say, so please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Wayne, it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Thanks for calling. So, I love Vortex. It's a great album. Uh, just, I don't even know where to begin or end. I just want to start off everything with asking you about this album. Talk to me about the creative forces that went into this project. There are two, uh, two catalysts for making this album. I mean, one is that um, it's really my working quartet. You know, the quartet that I've had for the past two and a half years or so with Ralph Peterson. Ugono Kegwo and uh, Dave Kikoski. You know, we've really been touring all over the world, becoming more and more a, uh, a, a strong and tight unit. So I really wanted to have a studio documentation of this group. That being said, you know, when I write, when I write my life, what's happening in my life and what's happening around me. So um, because this album was uh, con- uh, pretty much conceived in the last, you know, year and a half or so, um, obviously what's been happening politically and, and how that's, you know, affected my life and affected my young son's life has, has uh, been an inspiration in a lot of the songs. So. so let me ask you this. What's your approach to each successive album? Are you trying to charter kind of an evolution of your life as a jazz organism, or do you go in with, say, kind of some political leanings or some, some, some mantras that are, that are going on in your head? I mean, like I said, you know, I'm really just influenced by what's happening in my life and what's around me. And, and you know, what I'm trying to do is trying to just better myself as an artist and as a saxophone player. So, you know, I hope that from album to album, there you uh, people hear progress um, in my saxophone playing and my writing and my musicality. Um, um, you know, and, and what's going to happen happen um, inevitably is that uh, uh, you know I'm a, I'm a very uh, open and honest person. And I'm very uh, emotional person, so what's, what's going to be happening in my life and what's going to be happening politically and socially, as I am aware um, in those uh, arenas, uh, you know, they're going to come out uh, in music, you know, so that's kind of a natural thing that happens. It's not something that I'm, you know, I'm not never trying to push an agenda or, or purposely trying to do that. It's just, you know, that's what we're thinking about. I mean, just in the same way that, you know, John Coltrane and um, wrote music, uh, you know, and Billy Holiday and people like that wrote, wrote music uh, driven by, by what was happening in the civil rights era, you know, I mean, that, that's what was in their face. So that's what they, that's what they, uh, that's what they wrote about. You know? How vital is the artist's voice in the political climate that, say, we're going through now and Coltrane lived through in the 60s? How vital is it that that voice is out there? You know, for me, I think it is vital. And, and you know, for me, I've, it's almost irresponsible for me to have such a large audience, um, uh, both literally and figuratively, you know, have a large audience having my attention at all times and me not at least say a little something about just not don't like this person or, 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 or you should, you know, vote this way or think this way, but just remind people about, about, uh, you know, humanity and about, and about, you know, what's good in this world and, and, and just let people know that it's something that's on our mind. And, you know, I think it's important as artists for, for us to, uh, you know, always just let people know, our audiences know that we're aware of what's happening and that, and that, and that we feel it, 
um, and we feel it too, and that we have, and that we have uh, an, an opinion about it, you know, without necessarily um, beating our uh, someone over the head with our agenda. So let me go back to the beginning of your life in London. Talk to me about your childhood and how you got so interested in jazz. Well, honestly, my interest in jazz came uh, in the United States, not 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 London. I mean, I was born in London, and I left I left there when I was about six, and I traveled I traveled with my mother, of course, and we traveled around. Um, a lot of places and finally settled in Connecticut when I was about 11. And in New Haven, Connecticut is, is really where I found my love for jazz. I mean, I was singing in a, in a boys' choir there, in a classical, uh, you know, boys' choir, because my mother was very much into classical music. And then just through the uh, great education system in New Haven, you know, the, New Haven is a great arts, arts community and always has. Um, and through schools like the Educational Center for the Arts and the Neighborhood Music School in New Haven, I was able to find jazz, or rather jazz found me. And, uh, you know, I was a pretty shy kid, and, uh, you know, having moved around a lot, you know, I didn't have that many friends. It was kind of hard for me to, to, to make new friends. So um, jazz was really something that I took to, and all of a sudden, once I found um, jazz, you know, I really found a community of people, um, of good people, who, who, who um, of good like-minded people. Um, in addition to that, just... Uh, Really studying people like Miles Davis and John Coltrane, and then and then all of their side men, and 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 getting de- uh, digging deeper and deeper into the music. I really found a lot of um, a lot of inspiration from 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 young black men that were expressing themselves in a very positive way, and then, and I took to that very much. So, of all the instruments you could have picked, you went towards the saxophone. What made you gravitate towards that instrument? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, well. I mean, as it turns out, uh, my grandfather was an amateur saxophonist, and I actually had no idea at the time, really. But, um, you know, like I said, I went to a great a great school, and in elementary school, there was a guy who came with and was playing a lot of different instruments. He actually, one of the instruments he played was actually the trumpet. And I was actually more interested in the trumpet, but frankly, they didn't have any left in my band room. So, uh, you know, my mother suggested that I, I try the saxophone, and I think she casually mentioned um, that my father's father, you know, happened to play amateur saxophone, you know, and she said, maybe you should try it. And I just gave it a try, and I just, and I just took to it. Growing up, you are a testament to jazz outreach programs that are very instrumental in getting the youth involved with jazz, like Jazzmobile, which I love, Jazzmobile. And yeah. you, you were involved with other programs. Yeah, so let me ask you this. How vital are those programs to really get kids hooked and to give them a healthy love and appreciation for jazz. I think it's very important. And I mean, uh, you know, I think we can't take for granted that uh, people know what this music is, where it comes from, and how and how an important part of uh, our cultural heritage it is. I mean, you know, it's a little, I'm a little embarrassed to say, but when I first got introduced to jazz, I didn't even realize it was really an African-American uh, art form. I, I had no idea. You know, I had heard about jazz, but I didn't know. I thought, you know, I had no idea what it was. My association with jazz was, you know, some... You know, Dixieland music, you know, done by like some, you know, square, square guys and with bow ties. You know, I didn't really understand, understand the depth of it. And that's due to lack of education. You know, it's not just educating them just because the music is great, but it's an important part of, of the American story and the African American story. And it's something that we, we should all be proud of as Americans. And I think it can really inspire um, young kids uh, to do positive things like it did for me, whether they end up being jazz musicians or not. From the time you've been a teenager, you and even when you were younger, you really took jazz seriously and went after it. When, when did you decide in your mind that this was going to be your life? Did you hit a point where you're like, I'm going to be a jazz musician, this is my path? 
I kind of did. I mean, you know, I really got introduced to the music in high school a little bit later than a lot of people, you know, so I was about, uh, you know, 15 years old, 16 years old. And, um, you know, I pretty much got addicted to the music and, and I practiced all the time, was, you know, studying the musicians I mentioned before. And then there was a point where, you know, I, was, I had always been very much into psychology as well. And, and up until that point, I wanted to study psychology in school. And and the more I got um, into the music, I started thinking, well, maybe I'll do a double major. Maybe I'll try to, you know, work hard and go somewhere where, like NYU or somewhere that has a jazz program as well as a great um, academic program, and maybe I'll be a double major. Um, but then the more I really delved into the music and realized how intricate and how sophisticated it was, um, I knew that I wouldn't be able to study more more than one thing at once. I mean, that's just not the kind of mind I have. I mean, some people have that ability to maybe, you know, study two fields and really excel at both of them. But I knew that if I studied psychology and music, um, I would probably just be average at both, and I didn't want to be an average musician. Um, so I, I made a decision around maybe junior year of high school that uh, I wanted to commit, to commit myself to being a jazz musician and. You know, I spoke to my mother about it. My mother was big in education, and she was big into making sure that I went to college. And, um, you know, she supported me. And what she said was, she said, well, if that's a decision you want to make, then you need to make sure that you're the best jazz musician ever. You know, I mean, if you're gonna, if you decide to just do that, then you need to make sure that you are the best. I took that to heart. And, you know, of course, there is no best in art, and I do not consider myself the best of anything. But, you know, the sentiment was there, and it basically was, you know, if you're going to do this, then you need to work as hard as you possibly can to be the best you can, and that's what I, that's what I strive to do. So. so, you know, it's one thing to go to the Hart School, the Thelonious Monk Institute, and the New England Conservatory, but it's another to learn from Jackie McLean and Herbie Hancock and folks like that. What did you glean from these musicians that have resonated throughout your career? Well, you know, I'd say I've, I've gotten different things from each one of them. I mean, from, from Jack McLean in particular, I mean, I've, I spent the most time with him, and he really gave me my foundation for the music. He really taught me what was hip musically and what wasn't. He taught me um, about understanding the history of the music, going back and listening to people like uh, Bud Powell, and Charlie Parker and, and understanding the, the lineage of the saxophone um, and trying to incorporate that in what I do. And, um, you know, Jack McLean in, in many ways exemplified um, uh, what it meant to be a jazz musician. I mean, he demanded respect, um, not by anything that he said, but just by the way he carried himself. Um, you know, he went through a lot to be able to uh, bring the, the jazz program to the Hart School um, when um, – doing something like that wasn't the most popular thing to do. So he knew how to carry himself. He knew how to speak to people. He knew how to, um, to make people respect him. Um, and, he, um, and he really taught us how, uh, how to act around older musicians. I mean, after studying with Jack McLean and when I moved to New York and when I was in the Thornley's Monk Institute and meeting a lot of older musicians, um, I think the older musicians that I met really appreciated that I knew how to speak to them, how to respect them, and 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 how to honor what they've done for for us to be able to play this music. So, and you know, I didn't really, I didn't grow up with a father, so in many ways, I consider Jackie McLean, um, you know, the, the 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 biggest father figure in my life. So, um, you know, he taught me a lot, both musically and also just as as uh, as much as uh, you know, just as far as being a man. You know, the one thing about your life is you've been very well educated in the, in the formal classroom with a master's degree, bachelor's degree. But getting out in the world and playing with Tom Harrell and even the Mingus Big Band, that had to be a huge dose of real-world education for you. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you, there's only so much you can learn in the school. And you have to realize a lot of these musicians that we love and admire and, and, and put on pedestals, they didn't go to school. 
you know, and if they did, and maybe some of them didn't do well, and some of them didn't do study music, and some of them dropped out. Um, you know, their real education was on the street, and it wasn't, and it wasn't an easy street either. I mean, it was a street filled with, filled with racism and 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 drugs and a lot of other things, and they managed to. Uh, to strive so uh you know yeah the the, uh, the education that i've gotten is both formal but i i very much um appreciate the, the road education that i've gotten because um, that's a whole nother thing you know the command that jackie had over his life that you saw that he got the respect for who he was i want to ask you this for all the musicians that you've played with over the years from billy hart to eddie henderson rufus reed all the way down the line what did you get from those musicians that have helped you be a teacher on the bandstand? You've been around long enough. You get younger musicians around you. What do you want to teach them either by your actual teachings or by osmosis for those younger players? Well, uh, it's a difficult question. I mean, but I guess the, the easy answer is, is, or the direct answer is, is uh, kind of a, um, you know, all, all, all the guys that, that I spent time with were just, were just very honest and very direct. And you have to find that balance between, uh, you know, tough love and brutal honesty and encouragement. Um, and I try to do that. I mean, and I think most of the people that study with me from, you know, students at, you know, college students at Yale to, to high school kids at the NJPAC, you know, and, and even to my son. I mean, anyone that's, you know, gets my teaching, I think, gets a balance between that tough love and that direct approach uh, to encouragement. And I mean, you know, when, when I've been around, when I've toured with all of these musicians, um, they had no problem uh, letting me know uh, when something was not happening. Um, and a lot of times it wasn't even by, by something that they said. It was just by something that they did, you know, by taking the horn out of their mouth and uh, stopping playing, by just giving me a look or, you know, or sometimes just directly saying, that's not it. And I think that's important. And I think, uh, you know, I think we're losing some of that because a lot of these older musicians, are, unfortunately, are leaving us. Um, you know, when I moved to New York, and when, you know, in the, you know, in 1999, and even when I visited New York from New Haven, even before then, um, a lot of times I was even scared to step on the stage at a jam session because, you know, I would see people like Donald Byrd and George Coleman sitting in the audience, you know, and I wouldn't, and I, you know, and, and, and these days sometimes you see people jumping on the bandstand and doing things that I know, um, you know, if Jackie McLean and all the cats that, that were around when I was uh, their age were still around, they wouldn't be having it, you know. So anyway, long story short, I just think there's definitely a balance between that, between the directness and that tough love approach um, and and, uh, and making sure that students stay encouraged and know that they can accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. I want to take a slight tangent off what you said there. When you talk about these legends and these veterans of the world that have kept this jazz torch going, and you're one of those cats now that keep doing that for jazz. You're one of the leaders of the, of the jazz movement now. What do you and other jazz musicians these days need to do to keep that old spirit alive and to keep this jazz vehicle moving well into the future well i think i think we can't um to succumb to in a way um you know jazz politics you know and, and industry politics and you know i don't mean to bash you know any any anybody you know in the in the, in the political arena of the, of the of the music or the arts but you know we have to realize that just because you know everyone's giving a lot of press to you know whoever it whoever the new person in their 20s is we're the ones who know uh, what's really happening? We're we're the ones who know um, how much substance is in what they're doing and how much is. We're the ones who know how much more they still have to learn and how much um, they do know. And we have to just maintain that integrity and don't 
and don't get caught up in the hype, so to speak. You know, I mean, uh, uh, it doesn't mean to be what I, what I don't like is when musicians my age and older are, are always dark and negative and, and overcritical. I don't, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. You know, like I said before, uh, you know, I, I, I am a fan of brutal honesty and, and, um, and I am a fan of honesty when it's, when it's necessary. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be impressed by somebody just because, um, a magazine, uh, said I should or because, um, they're getting a lot of, a lot of press at the time. I mean, you know, uh, they're, they're, the path has been set for what the music, what the music, uh, is, can be, and can be. And, and, and um, that's not going to change whether, you know, uh, you know, someone's getting a lot of, uh, airplay or, you know, on a TV show or whatever. So we just have to maintain our integrity and, and really remember the teachings that we got. I mean, I think it's important to realize that. Again, like I said before, we're losing a lot of these masters every day, you know. So whether whether we like it or not, in many ways, my generation, you know, the musicians in their you know late thirties and 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 forties, um, and of course musicians in their fifties now, you know, we're the ones who are carrying the torch, whether we like it or not, you know, because uh, everyone's leaving. So we have to really maintain that integrity. So of all the tours and all the stages that you've been on throughout your career has there been a particular tour or show that really made you grow whether it was a exhilarating experience or it was really tough is there anything that stands out in your mind that really made you grow as a musician you know that's difficult just because uh, you know i've seen so many shows and i've been around new york so much that i think depending on where i was in my development um, each show had a big impact and, and pushed me to further heights. I mean, certainly uh, seeing Jack and McLean perform all the time was a, was a, was a big thing. I got to say, though, one show that stands out to me is um, when I was in high school. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a girlfriend, and, and we wanted to make a, take a trip to New York, so we we came, went and went to the Village Vanguard to see the Roy Hargrove Quintet. Um, and this was, uh, you know, like I said, like in the in the in the in the 90s. Um, and I was really taken by that performance. I mean, uh, you know, of course, the guys I remember the most in the band were Christian McBride and um, and Roy and Antonio Hart. And just seeing those guys on the on, on the bandstand, seeing young black men on the bandstand, you know, dressed um, in a hip way, taking the music really seriously. Um, I don't recall them even reading music, but but they knew the music. Um, they were they had great. They were creating great harmonies together, and it was just it just was a great. A combination of professionalism and fun and style and hipness, and it really, um, when I saw that, I really, I really knew that this is what I wanted to do, and that's the kind of person that I wanted to be. You know, in your life, you've gotten accolades. You, you won a Grammy with the Mingus Big Band. You've been voted over and over in Downbeat as one of the best on your instrument. Of all the accolades that you've gotten, I don't want to know what your favorite one is, but is there one that you got that just surprised you? You didn't expect it. You were like, "Wow, that's cool." Uh, oh, that's difficult. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I mean, I definitely, I definitely appreciated, uh, uh, you know, winning the Downbeat Critics Poll a few years ago. You're winning Best Saxophonist um, or Rising Star Saxophonist. You know, that's tricky. I mean, I, honestly, the, the most recent thing that I can think of has just been my recent appointment um, uh, as lecturer in jazz improvisation at Yale School of Music. I mean, um, you know, I just feel really honored that they reached out to me and, and asked me to. Um, you know, asked if I'd be interested in teaching there, and um, it's been a great opportunity, and uh, it's, it's helping me grow, and it's also given me an opportunity to share this music um, to uh, a wider community of people. You know, the, the Yale community, and, and even furthermore, the New England community, where I where I actually originally fell in love with the music. So, in a weird way, um, it's not necessarily an, an accolade or an award, but 
um, you know, I definitely, it's definitely um, made a big impact on that appointment in the last two years. So talk to me about being a founding member of the Black Art Jazz Collective. That has to be a really cool venture for you. Yeah, it really is. I mean, not only because I think the band has is, has a great message, you know, we're celebrating black culture and black icons in, in, in the way that we are through music, but also just being around uh, guys that I like, you know, being around guys that I grew up with in this music. I mean, Jeremy Pell, Jonathan Blake, Vicente Archer, you know, every, everyone, we all, came, we all came up through this music together. And when we're on the bandstand, you know, we mess with each other, we push each other musically, um, you know, we, we all know each other's, you know, we all know the intricacies of each other's social lives, you know, we're really close. And, and I think that, that kind of camaraderie comes through in the music. Um, and then if you add to the fact that we're, most of us are, are fathers and most, and, and we all have a positive mes- message that's unified, um, that we, that we're all trying to, to, to give, um, it really makes the group a special unit. And I think when, when you hear this band play live and we will be performing more, um, this this coming summer and through the year, and we're making another recording next week. When you hear um, you know the band perform, I mean, you really feel that that um, that connection um, through the music. Why do you love jazz? I, I love jazz because it gives me it gives me freedom. Uh, it's it's soulful, uh, and it tells it tells my story. You know, as time flies, your career continues to lengthen, and it's probably. I would think, apropos to say that you're a veteran in the jazz world, how do you feel about your career up to this point? Are you ha- happy with what's transpired? You know, I am. I am happy with what's with what's transpired. I mean, I feel I feel really blessed, and I'm kind of excited with, um, you know, some of the things that I'm thinking, you know, thinking of doing next, and I'm 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 eager to see uh, what happens from here. You know. So let me ask you this: Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, business associates. But when you wake up, Wayne, and you face the world, who are you? Who do you think you are? You know, I think I'm a complicated individual. I think I'm, uh, I think I'm a very emotional uh, person. Um, I think I have a lot of integrity, and I think that uh, that I'm very uh, forthright. I own all of those things, and I try to just do my best to uh, every day just be the best person I can. Right on, Wayne. Thank you for Vortex, the music, and being a force in jazz. And I appreciate your time today. My pleasure, man. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in London, New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Wayne for his time and his music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.